Oh, and the last name is Cammer. Cammer. Okay. Well, I already screwed that up. That's okay. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's okay. I can't pronounce your last name either. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, folks. We're back with another episode of Skirmish Supremacy. And today I am joined by Corey Cammer, as he just corrected me. Not Kramer, as I've been calling him now for about a year every time I talk about his game. And he is with the Witchborn Company, and uh, today he's going to be talking to us about everything that is the Witchborn and his new Kickstarter uh, for Witchborn, which is Witchborn Interperdition, which takes this really cool digital RPG miniatures hybrid and puts it into a box format. So, Corey, how are you doing tonight, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. This is actually something I've been excited about for a while. Um, most of our listeners know that I am a big fan of like dark, creepy, gothic horror. I'm a fan of miniatures. I'm a fan of RPGs. And the fact that you came out with this product when I was still, a, well, I was still a cool mini or not, um, when I first saw it and I played it and I really loved it. So I'm excited to have you on to talk about all the new stuff that's going on with uh, Enter Perdition. Oh yeah. I can't wait to, to talk about it. Yeah. This is, this has been a long time coming, but this new Kickstarter is really the version of the game that we always wanted it to be. Fantastic. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the Witchborn? I've actually had some people ask when I did uh, post up your, your stuff on the Skirmish Supremacy Facebook page, they did ask, it's like, Hey, what, what more do you know about the Witchborn? Obviously, yes, people can go on the Kickstarter. They can look it all up that way, but it's always good hearing it from the creators. So what makes it unique? There's several things that make the game unique. It's, it's a blend of a miniature skirmish game and a role-playing game in many ways. Um, it takes, like, the best elements of both. It's not a, hey, we're going to build a giant army and whack each other and then the game's over. This is a continuing series of adventures. And one of the unique pieces of technology that we use is there's an app for every adventure. And so, <clears throat> pardon me, you've got uh, random encounters um, that are going to come up every every time you play. It may be witchborn centaurs of the plains. You could have a run-in uh, wiping your butt in the uh, plains and get uh, poison ivy. You could uh, meet somebody that you need to help and it's or that wants to help you. So that's where the app comes in and... When we started out, we only had apps for iOS. Now uh, we found that more of our customers use Android than anything else. So um, those usually get released in advance of, a, of the Apple versions as well. So that's a huge thing. And then the other big element of it is you build a war clan of eight guys. Um, this is a post-cataclysmic world um, a couple of years ago when – People started dying. They were inhabited by these malignant spirits called the Witchborn. And when you uh, when you come back as Witchborn, you're smarter, faster, and stronger than you were in life, and with a thirst for blood. And so um, <laughs> you can imagine when Grandpa starts eating little Johnny and things like that, the population is kind of thinned out. And so you band together in these little war clans of eight or more warriors for protection and safety. And you start off the game as sort of this scavenger. Um, you have lousy equipment, you're zero level, you're just starting out, 
But through playing all the adventures, you can start to level up, get better equipment, and kind of become this amazing powerhouse. Nice, nice. So what are the different factions? I know that you said that each person makes a warband. I take it they don't just make like a group of eight humans that goes out there. This is a fantasy setting after all, so there's got to be dwarves, elves, goblins, all that. Yeah, so there's dwarves who are your little tanks. You know, they... The cool thing about them is as you start to level up and get going, they have the best armor in the game. They have the great defense. They can mount uh, cave bears and ride cave bears into battle if, if they want. Um, elves are one of everybody's favorite. Uh, those are the, the two that are featured kind of in the new Kickstarter. And elves all have a little bit of a u- unique innate magic. So one of the things you do when you're creating your war clan is you make a roll to see what unique fairy power each one of your guys has. And he may not even be an elf. He may end up being a uh, fae. He could be a dryad or a little brownie or a sprite or um, a sylph or all kinds of exotic exotic creatures. So that's, that's one really fun thing about playing the elves. And then there's four other war clans. Um, the guild are... You guys are familiar with uh, Skaven from uh, Warhammer. They're sort of rat men, but they have a very uh, ninja-esque influence. They use katanas and throwing stars and and that sort of stuff. There's orcs, classic. If you like to kill things, play the orcs. I love my orc war clan. You just want to give things a savage beatdown. And then there's two human uh, war clans. Uh, There are the... Norn, which are like human barbarians, and what makes them cool is some of them have latent shape-shifting abilities. So as your guys level up, you might be able to turn into this giant were-creature, like a wolf or a saber-tooth or a were-bear. And that's just amazing and fun when uh, you're, say, playing an adventure like Asylum, and you're in the middle of the world's last standing bar, and a Barbarol breaks out and you turn into a giant were creature. It's uh, a little shocking to everybody around. <laughs> and, and then uh, the last race is the Paladins, and that's a human human war clan, and they tend to be kind of like the cavalry and uh, cross between like a Texas Ranger and a Knights Templar. And their mission is to destroy the Witchborn and return the world to the way it once was. So they have, they have a quest, nice, but they're not necessarily really nice guys like D and D type paladins. I mean, they swear and smoke tobacco and that kind of stuff, but they do have a higher purpose. So they're more like highly dedicated soldiers compared to like your typical goody two shoes. We have blonde flowing hair in the breeze. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's one encounter with a paladin who's kind of a scumbag that uh, people are like, what's going on? He's a paladin. I'm like, has he done anything wrong? He's just a scumbag. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> Lawful good doesn't mean that you can't be an a-hole. But exactly. <laughs> awesome. So you, you have these different factions. You obviously are using miniatures for these. I know that in Interperdition, you're actually using Reaper bones. 
Yeah, yeah. We okay. worked out a deal with uh, Reaper because I've always loved their miniatures. And a little bit of the origin of this game was I've collected miniatures for years and years, and I have collected everybody else's miniatures when they've gotten out of it. So I have probably a few thousand. And it was like, I don't really like this game because of this, and I don't like this game because of that. And I've got all these miniatures. What can I do with them? And that's kind of the origin of this game. And a lot of our miniatures are Reaper. And uh, so it made perfect sense talking to them. It was like, hey, can we work out some kind of deal where we can put your miniatures in our game? Nice. So for the folks listening, we haven't really touched on that. And like, that's my fault for skipping past it a little bit. But one of the things that goes on in the Witchborn is that yes, there is miniatures involved. However, there are no official quote unquote official Witchborn miniatures. You use what you have. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the origin of it. It started off as a rule set. And now this new uh, Kickstarter is, Let's supply the miniatures and some of the things because people are asking for it. And so it's just trying to reach a broader audience and give them what they need. I grew up when you got the D&D books and they said, go out and find some polyhedral dice and, uh, you know, miniatures. And you were like, where do I find this stuff, you know? And it wasn't as easy as just going on Google, so. Yeah. Well, Google has changed a lot with that. But (laughs) so the apps themselves uh, play a massive, massive role in the game. So obviously we got miniatures, we've got dice. We haven't touched on the dice yet, but a lot of what goes on in the game is done through apps and all of the rules are digital. There is no official hardback Witchborn rulebook. Right, right. And the the original version is, uh, is digital. And one of the nice things about that has been that um, when we wanted to do second edition rules, all the owners just download their new copy and they've got the second edition rules. Uh, One of the things our customers have been asking for for the new Kickstarter is, can we have a printed rule book? And it's like, sure, that's, that's the cheapest thing that we can do in the set. You know, the maps and the miniatures and everything, that's where the big cost is, so... Let's add the printed rule books, and then anybody who wants can still create an account once they're an owner and get the digital updates if they like. Fantastic. So explain to us a little bit about how the apps are used in-game. A lot of people, for some reason, when it comes time to miniatures games and role-playing games, the idea of using like just a digital PDF for rules, they're okay with that. But when it comes time to an app affecting gameplay in some way, some people just over... The course of the fact that there's been certain games that have come out that have used it as more of a gimmick, they they shy away from it a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's really an important part of the game, but it's not the game. You know, it's uh, but I can just give you an example. Like if you're playing Enter Perdition, which is the first adventure, um, it's a bit of a search game because it's an entry level game. You're learning and um, what happens is you see this uh, magical airship. It's, it's wooden, but it's held aloft by magic, and it kind of crashes into the desert. And we had talked about you're kind of a new war clan, and you're out scavenging. And before the, the uh, pilot went down, you saw him tossing cargo overboard, 
um, maybe to try and keep the ship aloft. And so you're like, hey, I'll go check that out, see what's there. Um, in the meantime, let me start up my app here. In the meantime, the other war clans have seen that as well, and they're they're going to kind of race you to these random discovery markers that are placed around the board. And usually we start with six, and it's totally random where they appear and, and that kind of stuff. But when you get to one of the discovery markers with any one of your guys, you can investigate the spot and see if the stuff you fell out of the that you saw fall out of the sky is um, is there, and if that was the cargo. The app kind of tells us whether or not um, what you see and hear. And a lot of people aren't good readers. They're not comfortable, like, being a dungeon master, and the app literally takes the place of that game master role. So... It has, and the encounters are totally random. You can't see this uh, if you're listening, but there's a draw button at the top of the app, and you'd hit draw, and it pops up. Um, let me find a good one here. Uh, this one's kind of, this one's a really interesting one. Okay, so I'll just read you one as an example. So, Tim, if, if you made this discovery, I'd tell you, your character earned two shadow points. And shadow is kind of an experience system that we use in the game. The more points you get, the closer you get to the next level. And first level is pretty easy to earn. So um, you only need five points, and you just got two for making this discovery. So you're on your way to first level, and at first level you get new skills um, that help you fight better or, you know, you might, if you're a dwarf, you might become a runeforge and forge uh, weapons of power and that kind of stuff, but kind of sidetracked. But if uh, you made this discovery, I would just read you the title, and then there's sort of boxed copy that I would read aloud to you, and it's what your character sees and hears. So it's called Take Me to the Pilot. A man struggles, dragging one leg heavily behind him and moaning with each lurching effort. His clothing and skin are charred black except for a bright golden onk dangling from his neck. Smoke rises from his crisp flesh. This was the pilot from the crashed airship. Its head swivels drunkenly, sensing your presence. Burnt lips peel back, revealing still pink gums and white teeth clenched in a sinister smile. So the pilot crashed. He died, and he's witchborn now. And now you know that he's even tougher than he was before. And he spotted you. So there's GM notes below that. Since I'm reading this to you, depending on how you react, the app will tell me how the pilot's going to react. Talked about that big golden onk around it. If you end up just killing him and you want to check out the onk, that might be useful. It may not be useful. That's all covered in the app. And then his stats are built right in too. So, um, and if you're playing with more than two people, it's usually whoever's not affected reads the app, so it passes around. And whoever um, whoever it helps the least is kind of the guy who who would run the witchborn in this case. If if I had a vested interest in killing you better, I might give it to another friend to say, okay, you play it smart and you play it the way the, the app tells you to. Gotcha. Okay, so the – even though I'm the one that it's my active turn, 
right. somebody else is kind of acting like my pocket GM. So they tell me what happens and based upon how I react, then there, there, there's choices built into that card. So for example, if I decide to scream and run away from this witchborn, it's going to have what happens okay. then. Yeah. Okay. If and if I decide to stay around a boar, he comes after you and, and it explains, you know, what his mission is and his main mission is to eat you. He, he just, he's hungry, needs blood and, uh, He's going to tear you to pieces if he can. Okay. So fun guy, fun guy. <laughs> and then, of course, if I destroy him, it will tell me, like, what kind of treasure he has. Just like, you know, typical yeah. D&D session, like, I, I walk into a room, I act like a murder hobo and slaughter a bunch of sleeping orcs, and then I take all their stuff. Yeah, and one of the cool things, you know, is maybe you're playing Norn and you have a cut purse, and you're like... I just want to see if I can steal the Ankh. That's an option too, you know. All that stuff is built in there so that um, you literally don't need a game master. It's 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 all explained in the rules and it's it's very simple. Okay. And then when you do, if you do kill him or he kills you, also built into the app is random wound results. So. Um, let's just pull a couple up to give you an example. The most common is a knockout. So, of course, I pull up a really gory one. Um, let's see if I can find a knockout. Oh, this is a mean one. So let's say you're, you're fighting and your character gets knocked out. It says, when you stagger back into camp, everyone is talking about how much they're going to miss you. Then they laugh. And so kind of an insult to you. You got knocked out. Nobody even cared. And, uh, not a big deal, but another one might be maimed where your arm gets lopped off. And because this is in a continuing series of adventures, your guy is always missing that arm unless he has some kind of healing magic. To protect him. So he's not carrying, he's, the dwarf is not carrying that shield around in his uh, spare, spare hand anymore because he doesn't have it. Gotcha. Okay, so there, there are consequences for, I, I guess in this case, just getting your ass kicked. Exactly, exactly. And the worst result, it's very rare, but you can be killed. And okay. so that guy not only is forever removed from your war clan, but now he's going to become Witchborn. Oof. So are there effects? Because obviously Witchborn in this game is if somebody dies, they become Witchborn. So are there negative effects on the warband for that happening? So let's say that dwarf, instead of losing his arm, just like, had his throat torn out and just ripped to pieces. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of bad results to it. Uh, first, it's going to take a little time, but he's going to what we call quicken and become witchborn. And so he's going to pop up and go after the nearest target because when you first become witchborn, you're starving. You need blood. And so um, we talk about the early days of the game. Uh, people would tend to build superheroes where you've got a war clan of eight guys, but they give one guy all the cool weapons and all the cool armor. Well, what happens if, if that guy dies and becomes Witchborn and all the people who have been standing around watching him for the last ten games, uh, they have no way to fight him now. It's your coolest guy. Now all his ability scores improve. He's faster, smarter, stronger than he was before, and he's got all your cool stuff. He's going to rip through everybody else too. 
and the rest of you just have a bunch of pointy sticks hoping for the best. Yep. If you do manage to defeat your your uh, witchborn comrade, um, your war clan's going to be short a guy. So after the game, you may take money and buy another warrior for your war clan, or you may say, "Well, I'm going to live with one less for a while." You know, it's every decision you make is is totally up to you. It's not. Uh, there's no pre-programmed way. This is the smartest way to build a war clan. Um, the game is truly um, built in a way that there's a ton of decisions. Like, um, let's say your guy levels up. Um, most games have like a set course when they do level up. I'm a fighter, so I'm going to fight better. Um, you have about 50 choices of skills to take when you level up. So do I want to take him down the fighting path? Do I want to make him an archer? Do I want to do a little of both? Do I want to, you know, have him be a support guy, uh, you know, able to bind wounds during battle so that, you know, these horrible wounds can be cured and that kind of stuff. So there's, there's a million different choices. You could just go for defense. And it, it's really designed so... I almost tell people, build little squads. This is your melee squad. These are your uh, agility guys, so that those are your missile guys. Maybe these guys are mounted. And then these guys are the support guys. And it really allows you to build it any way you want and build to your personality. Okay, cool. So it's not just a matter of, like, this guy is fighter. He will go up, and the more he plays, the better he gets at fighting, you know, and this is my thief. The more he levels up, the better he is at backstabbing and just doing thievey things. So it really comes down to every time a a character hits a level, you have a decision to make about, like, okay, what do I want to do with him compared yeah. to just, like, well, he, I've already started him down this path. Obviously, if you want to do that, you can, just for simplicity's sake, but it's yeah. probably not always the best idea. Yeah, we've got players who – they want to make everybody vanilla. They want everybody to be exactly the same so that they don't have to think about it. We've got players who like diversity and they want to be able to be good at every single thing. So they build a few guys in each direction. And then we've got players who don't like fighting at all. And so they figure out smart ways to make money in the game so that their characters can advance with the least danger. So in cases like the pilot, now Witchborn, they are the ones that would run away from him and right. find other ways to get at his stuff. Right, right. Gotcha. They, might, they might rob him. They might try and rob him. They might wait until another war clan takes on the pilot and then sneak up and rob everybody. You know, it's just uh, – and so now you've got to learn to protect yourself against thieves and cut purses and that kind of stuff as well. Okay. So – Obviously, the game can be played two players where basically it's my warband and not necessarily versus your warband, but our warbands aren't exactly cool with one another. Right, right. The, uh, the game's for two to six players, and the initial one that we teach people is it's kind of each one of you off out for yourself. Okay. Um, as you progress, um, there are... With every adventure, there are alternate ways to play. And, for example, Enter Perdition, if you want, you can team up with your friend 
and you can take on the Witchborn Centaurs of the Plains together. So it's your two war clans working together against one set evil enemy. And uh, that's a lot of fun too. You know, it really, it's really uh, caters to whatever kind of style of play that you like. Right. And so there's not really a mechanic behind that. It's just like, if you and I were playing it, I'm like, well, we're going to need to team up to take this down. Or if we're doing a, a four player game and one person is just absolutely destroying us, I might just pass you a note on the table that says, Hey, we're going to have to team up to take him down. Yeah. That, that right. happens all the time. It's, it's a game of constant strategy. And for the example of enter perdition, um, when somebody finally does find that valuable airship cargo that's maybe in the middle of the board or one edge of the board, they still got to get it safely off the board to win. And so usually every war clan turns on the one guy. Which I don't remember at this point. <laughs> I don't remember where we were either. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. We were talking about the war band and what would happen if they become. So, we were talking about war, war band progression and how. Just because of the fact that the warbands are on the same board, they're not necessarily working together. Now, they can be friends that's all based upon their own personal diplomacy. They can be enemies, but there's no mechanic saying that, like, yeah. you and I have to work together or you and I have to be enemies. Exactly, exactly. Now, there are, with every adventure, there are optional ways to play. And one of them does allow you to say, Hey, we're teaming up and we're working together, and our our victory conditions depend on us working together in this one. You can do you can you can play that way as well with all the different adventures. Okay, so in a case like that, to where if we decided to work together, obviously it's all about us uh, gaining shadow. So, do we split it evenly? So, for example, if my warband and your warband end up taking down that pilot, do we split it evenly, or is there some I guess, mechanic that still makes it a bit more of a competition? Um, there, there is. Um, everybody is awarded, because you're playing at least eight warriors, each one of your warriors is awarded for any of his accomplishments that happen during or after the game. And so if uh, my guy, number two, makes, I usually give him better names than number two, but uh, <laughs> if... Uh, if uh, if uh, Clark uh, runs off and makes a discovery, she gets the points for doing that. Um, and nobody else on my team's being awarded, nobody else on your team's being awarded. Same thing happens with when you cause wounds. Uh, wounds actually pay more experience than making discoveries for the most part. So knockouts are worth the least, and then it goes all the way up to the kill, which is worth five points. And so it's not only rare, but you, you really want to do it. And so the players who don't like to play aggressively, they've got to work a lot harder to, uh, to do well. And so we've played games where we've teamed up and one team, you know, cleaned up and the other team didn't. And it's usually fair because the team that cleaned up usually did more of the work. So you're rewarded for this game always rewards you for playing hard and, and trying. Not giving up. Okay, cool. So it's it's still hearkening back to the fact that like this is in its own way kind of a post-apocalypse fantasy setting. Like everything has already gone to hell. So like the idea of diplomacy, the idea of like 
trying to resurrect a civilization like tomorrow. That's it's gone. Just, it's not there. It's gone. Yeah. So the close, the closest thing to civilization is the uh, second adventure is called Asylum, and uh, I don't know if I've explained this yet, but. The Witchborn world is called Perdition, and it's a little bit of an open world type scenario. And so Enter Perdition is kind of the entry-level adventure, and then there's different maps and different apps that you play throughout. And the second one is called Asylum, and that takes place in the kind of the last garrison that was still standing to protect against the Witchborn. And so all these... People from all different races come together, and they basically live in asylum just to stay stay free of the witchborn. And one of the fun things in asylum is the old cathedral caved in during the cataclysm, and the guild have taken it over and made it into the world's last standing bar. And that's where the the next adventure takes place. So anything that can happen in a bar, from your characters getting drunk to picking up. Uh, good-looking women, uh, war stories, and drinking songs, and and fighting. It all happens there. Fantastic. That's awesome. So it definitely adds more of a flavor to it than just like, we're going to go there and start a bar fight with one another. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you mentioned that the, the adventures themselves have apps. So obviously this is not your typical it's not your typical D and D session to where it's like, I am a GM. I can write my own adventure. There, there is some stuff that goes on in the Witchborn company in order to say, okay, here is your new adventure. Exactly. Exactly. And to keep it from um, becoming repetitive, there's a lot of safeguards built in there. Like in enter perdition, the app has more random encounters than you're ever going to use in one play. So you could play it six times and never get the same encounter. So that's, that's really nice. But then it, the encounters also scale. So let's say you play Enter Perdition like three or four times and you run into the pack of wolves one of those times. And then you go off and you say, we're going to play Asylum and Dragon Moon and some of the other adventures. And you come back and now you've got 10 games in your war clan's much tougher now. Um, you might run into that same pack of wolves, but now the pack of wolves is bigger and tougher too. Okay. And so it scales up with you, so it's still going to be a challenge for you and still going to be, you might approach it completely different than you did before. Like before you were like, ah, we can take those wolves, no problem, but now there's 10 of them and maybe we can't handle them this time, you know? So maybe we'll run away. So it's, it's a little different. We've played uh, the base game, just demoing it at shows and stuff. We've played it over 500 times and never had the same game or even remotely the same game. So it's, okay. it's really interesting that way. Cool. So in a case like this where, you know, obviously there, there's a lot more elements to this than just being like a, a one-size-fits-all board game. Um, Obviously, with the new Kickstarter, you are putting it out there in more of a board game format. But it just because Enter Perdition is technically one adventure, that that doesn't mean that like you play that board game, or you know, in this case, what people perceive as a board game once, 
and like it's the same all the time like the the premise might be the same but the, the approach and if you're deciding to run it as a campaign and level up so yes you're gonna let's say you play enter perdition eight times in a row and you want to level up your characters then every time will be different yeah it's to give you an example um friday after thanksgiving for years we've called it thanksgiving day and we get together a dozen or more people and we fill my basement with tables and we just play the witchborn from probably 10 in the morning till two or three at night on friday after thanksgiving and in that day people get in anywhere from three to seven games and um, one of the traditions is you start a new war clan on that day because you can have more than one war clan and jump around and, and play different ones because you want to try different styles of play. But in, you can imagine in one day, if you didn't jump around to different adventures, you'd be playing that same game like three to seven times. And I guarantee it'll be different every time. It's different because you switch players that you're playing against who have different strategies and techniques you're getting tougher as the day goes on and so you approach things differently and you may pop across an encounter that you had and go oh last time i did this let's see what happens if i do this this time when it comes to sort of making those decisions and there's a lot of uh randomness in the events too like you might think hey there's a treasure over here i'm going to dig for it and one time it pays off and one time it doesn't. So it's, it's all in the app and what nice. it does to you and how it likes to mess with you. Nice. And so, it, again, it, it, it makes it to where the possibilities are, are pretty much endless. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you play it 500 times, you might run into, like, the same <laughs> combination of things. But, you know, that, that's bound to happen with any, any game that you play. Yeah. So – Explain to us a little bit, because obviously, so Interperdition is your Kickstarter for kind of a complete box set to get people going in the Witchboard. And in this case, you're now releasing it with all of the custom tokens, all of the custom counters. It's going to come with a map. It's going to come with two warbands. If I remember yep. correctly, it comes with yep. two warbands. And uh, so it, it's kind of a two players, here you go. Correct. The... Uh... The thing about it was the thing that people were asking us for is can we just get ready to play out of the box? So it's going to have a nice quick start guide with a lot of pictures and just, it's going to teach you the basic, um, the basic mechanics of the game um, in 18 pages with pictures. So there's not, there's not a lot at first, but then the rules are written kind of in three steps. You got that quick start version. You got the stuff you need to know that you're going to want to go back when you want to play the full game and, and really play it right. And then there is the advanced rules, which I tell people, don't even look at those till you got some time in because why get confused, you know? It's, uh, it's for people who love minutiae. What happens when I fire the crossbow from a moving wagon at a flying sylph and she's over water? And, you know, it has answers to all that kind of stuff because it's all stuff that can come up, but it's not going to come up in the beginning game. You know, you just want to 
you want to get sense of the mechanics and how much fun it is. And then as you start to get enthusiastic about it, the answers are there if you're looking for them. Nice. Okay. Then the other big things that are coming with the set is, um, like you said, you used to have to print your own set of tokens from the PDFs and that kind of stuff and cut them out. And people are like, Hey, if we had a set, you know, it would be much nicer. And obviously the miniatures, some people like, I'm sure Tim, you've got lots. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, to be, to be honest with you, the one thing I saw and uh, you kind of sidetrack here for a minute, I was going through the quick start rules that you sent. Um, and I noticed that your orc warband is actually the old confrontation orcs. And the ones that are painted up and presented in there. Yeah. From what I saw, they were the old confrontation orcs. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Confrontation orcs were hands down my favorite orcs that were ever produced ever, no matter what anybody says. They're, so. they're, they're so cool. And when I was trying to get rights, I wanted to show miniatures in the books, right? And Mantic let me show some of theirs. And um, I was trying to figure out who had the rights to the confrontation. I knew that Cool Mini had some of them. And I talked to their lawyers and they said, you know what? It's go ahead and show them. Nobody's going to sue you because nobody knows who owns them. Right. So, so yeah, exactly. That, that's why the confrontation miniatures are in there. But those are hands down some of my favorite miniatures ever sculpted. So they are just. Oh, I know. I'm sitting on every single bit of the Devourers of Vile Peace and the Wolves of Gila. Yep. And I have no idea. I have no idea what to do with them. Well. I don't want to ever get rid of them. Kind of an exciting thing, Tim. If you become a regular Witchborn player, I have uh, a beta uh, war clan of Wolfen that um, I've got different players around the country testing out for me, and they're sending me feedback. And uh, I've been going back and forth with this uh, one guy that's in southern Illinois, and he is, like, raving about him. He's like, these, this is the coolest war clan. Why isn't in the in the basic set? And it's like, well, it was an idea that I had just because I had these awesome miniatures sitting around, and they're not they're not play tested as much as the other war clans. So, but they should probably hopefully come out in 2017 sometime. I will gladly take those rules and help you beta test the crap out of those until they get to where they need to be. Yeah, because obviously, <laughs> like the idea behind the wolfen is like. They're twice the size of a normal person. So like, you know, even in confrontation, you know, kind of, again, sidetracking here for those that have never played confrontation or only know a tiny bit, the Wolfen themselves come on a 40 millimeter base. The smallest Wolfen is 40 millimeters. So they're huge. They're like almost twice the size of a normal person. And they will easily kill four or five models by themselves before they even get wounded. So they used to just rip things apart. So I can understand in a game like this where it's like, okay, well, if we're going to make a warband of eight of these things, they have to be toned way back from where they were before well, the, in order to fall in. It's interesting how you balance stuff like that because in, in this game, uh, we have magic with a K at, on the end, and that's what elves cast. That's sort of a... Um, What's a good word? Uh, anybody knows D&D. It's kind of like psionics. It's, it's a mental magic. You're not using spell components and, and casting spells. It's just mental things that you can do. 
and the wolfen in uh, this world are called wolven, and they're actually mutants. And they all, they can't communicate other than mind speech with each other. And uh, they have all the instincts of a wolf because they've just mutated giant wolves, but they also start to figure out that they have this innate magic that they can use. And I can make my sling bullet curve around that tree if I think about it. And nice. so they're, they're really fun. That sounds awesome. As long as I could use the one that has the chain fist where it's like saying, come here, people. I want yeah. yeah. This one. That was probably one of my favorite models ever. And I still have that one. Um, but uh, yeah, so just just seeing that in the rule book as like your orc choice, I was I was already I was already in you know at that point because I I, I obviously I I played it a little bit at the Simon Expo in 2015 when I was still with Cool Mini or not. Um, I was hooked on it then. I actually played it at Adepticon that same year when you guys had the booth. That was uh, I think you were right across or yeah you were right across I believe from uh, Battle Foam that year. Yeah. And, um, I played it there, loved it. Played it at Simon Expo, loved it, and then uh, once I got my hands on the quick start rules, and I, I saw that you guys had, you know, obviously because you can use any miniatures, the confrontation works in there. That was just like put that extra nail in the coffin to say that no matter what, I'm going to play this game just because like I'm still have that soft spot for confrontation, and every time I see uh, any game that uses confrontation models or people that use confrontation models in games, it just warms my heart. So. Yeah, we, we got to get you in on a full game. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I know that you, you sent me all this stuff, uh, you, you, even including one of the big battle maps. We'll talk about that here in just a second because those are really cool. Um, but up until this point, just with, you know, the holidays going on, like we're recording this the, the night before Thanksgiving and I do the cooking in my house. Like I just, the, the timing, especially with me still working in the board gaming industry and dealing with all this stuff, that you know goes into Target and Walmart and all that. Like I've I've been insanely busy, so unfortunately it's one of those things we have to hold off playing full sessions of Witchborn and going through like two or three games in one day until after the holidays. Yep, uh, totally understood. You need to make yourself a Thanksgiving day like we do. <sighs> Believe me, I would love to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's now that I have a house that I've got all the room to do it, it. It's definitely something that I've been wanting to do for a while now. So. And I know that uh, my wife would be cool with it. It's just, it's a matter of getting it all planned out and making everything else happen. But uh, so, yeah, going back to that too, the maps that are used for the Witchborn. So most people that play your typical miniatures games, they're used to kind of like a three by three or a four by four or a six by four segment of what would be like an overall grand battle or skirmish so it, you know if you're playing more of your skirmish game that three by three board might feel more like a dungeon encounter in dungeons and dragons to where it's like okay here's there's a 10 foot room in the middle or we're in a cave and there's stalagmites here and there's a big rock wall here and there's some stuff scattered over here um the witchborn however lays everything out on these big mats and i forget the size of them and i i'm, I'm probably wrong in this but i want to say that they're probably like four feet by three feet. Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it is basically like, it, it's it's not a small encounter map. It is an overland map of what would be 
probably something about the similar the size of like a typical state it's, county. It's gonna take it's gonna take up your kitchen table. So there's there's room to roam and room to explore. Yes, and that was one of the things I really liked because if if you like looking at role playing games and you like seeing the cartography of a world, all the maps are cartography. Like there's not a single one that I've seen so far that is just like oh it is a dungeon. Um, you know, even from the digital ones that I saw that you guys had from before, it's, you know, like even the asylum, it's like the asylum is a, a good chunk of the map, but there's so much that's going on outside of the asylum that it's not, you know, it's not just like, well, we're, we're in this city. Yeah, it's, it's trying to let you explore. We just released the fourth adventure called Wailing Citadel. And the way that one's built is um, you've got, like this fortress that's abandoned. Um, there was actually a tragic wedding ceremony there where uh, a big massacre occurred. An elf was going to wed a paladin, the, uh, a paladin's daughter. The paladin didn't want his daughter to marry an elf, and so he brought in all his blood guard to slay the elves. Well, when... Elves die, they turn into shades. They're the one race that doesn't turn into uh, witchborn. So they died, and they become shades, which are kind of like, kind of like ghosts. They regroup, start killing the blood guard that came in, the paladins, and now the paladins are all turning into witchborn, and so the place is haunted. And the legend is that the wedding gifts have never been exchanged, so they may still be there in the Wailing Citadel. So you go and explore, and you've got kind of a top-down view of the Citadel, and then off to the side, you got the floor plans for all the rooms. So you can literally go through all the rooms of the tower and the temple and everything else. So it's a real, real fun game, uh, and it's for a little bit higher-level War Clan because the monsters that you're running into will just rip your face off. If you're uh, not yeah, prepared, I was say, if you're you're talking about like an entire haunted citadel of what is essentially witchborn just running around, and if people are freaking out over like that one, you know, air <laughs> captain, and now you've got a room full of them. Yeah, exactly. A horde of twenty show up, and you're like, "What? <laughs> no, thank you. I'll just hang out over here and wait for you guys to do stuff." But uh, so that one is. So that one in particular, though, is a little bit more of your typical dungeon crawl, where it's like e each section of the map is a different room or a different tower or exactly. stuff that's going on. Exactly. The, the sprawling amount. Okay, cool. And we kind of pride ourselves on each adventure being a completely different kind of story. So that when we talk about open world and you can jump around, it literally is, okay, what kind of trouble do you want to get into tonight? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about that because obviously you've got the Kickstarter. It's doing quite well. It's got, at this point, I want to say 11 days to go. Yep. So by the time that I publish this, it'll be 10 because I'll probably do this tomorrow before Thanksgiving uh, kicks off. Um, As we're talking, we are one set away from reaching our funding goal. One set away. All right. So you refresh here. You are one set away from reaching your funding goal. So somebody needs to get in there and take care of that. So yeah. we just posted the Black Friday uh, stretch goal today. So you get a couple free miniatures if we if you buy a set and we fund. So awesome. 
and so this one actually comes with all the dice, the accessories. Uh, we haven't even really touched on the dice now that I think about it. There's so much behind this game that goes on. Uh, there's the condition markers. There's uh, the attack dice. So it pretty much, it, it's a D6 system. Yes, that's fair to say. Okay. And then you also have dice that have special symbols on them. So how are those dice used? So um, this is a combat system a buddy and I came up with a long, long time ago before even the Witchborn. And it's basically, picture a six-sided dice. The six is, or a six-sided dice is sort of a hit location system. So a six is a critical hit, a hit to the head or the heart. So that's going to get through anything. Uh, five is, in essence, a shield hit. So you've hit, you've hit the guy on his shield side. If he's got the shield skill and a shield, he can block it. If he doesn't, you hit him. If you roll a, the equivalent of a four, that's a parry. So you've hit the guy on the weapon side. And if he has the parry skill, he can deflect it. If not, you've hit him. Then there's two blank sides, which are misses. And then there's the bad one, the oops. The oops is a skull, and that's another place where the app comes into play. If you're unfortunate enough to roll an oops, then the app tells you what happens to you based on whether it was a melee attack you were making, a missile attack, or a magic attack. And totally random, you can break a weapon, you can run out of ammo. Um, almost none are good. Uh, on a rare occasion, they're not too bad. But so the goal is when you're in combat is if you're rolling one attack dice, it's a little risky. There's a one in six chance something bad's going to happen to you. Um, three sides could potentially hit the other guy and two are going to be misses. Um, so as you level up, you want to earn skills that let you roll more attack dice. And so you might roll two or three dice and then take the best result on your attack. So that's, you're always going to take the critical hit in most cases. So um, you're doing whatever you can. I can't imagine a time where you would not want to take the critical hit. But... Exactly. Now, our record is for most attack dice rolled on one attack, I believe, is eight. So there are ways to, with surprise attacks and skills and everything, it, it's happened like once. So it's not common. And then the worst roll ever that I've seen is guy was rolling four dice. He was a cavalier on his paladin cavalier on his mount, riding down on a witchborn, and rolled four oopses. Oh. And the best result is an oops. Wow. So what happened to him? Did he just like explode? Yeah. Um, after he was done throwing his dice. And got himself under control. It turned out to be not that bad. I think it was, uh, I think it was maybe sundered, um, which means he took damage to his armor. His armor got clipped, so not a big deal. Still, yeah, especially if you're when, writing, you're writing something down, just thinking like, I'm gonna murder this thing. I'm, I'm going to murder you. I'm going to trample you to death. Oops. Your horse, your horse just like breaks a leg, throws you off. You go flying headfirst into a rock. <laughs> that that could have happened, but luckily it didn't. 
He just had a little bit of ding in his armor and called it a day. That's exactly, exactly. So, yeah, there's some that are that are pretty tragic. But that's the nice thing about a skill-based system. There's always a way to counter any negative skill. So um, he may have, uh, if he would have been an elf, um, their elves do have magic armor that's unbreakable. So would have been no big deal. There's lots of skills that give re-rolls, so maybe he could have rolled one or more of those dice. And, and so as you start to level up, there's ways to protect yourselves from anything that happens that, are bad, that is bad. Gotcha. Okay, so it, it definitely it, it helps. Like in a case like that, again, kind of going back to what we were saying before, it helps to diversify a little bit compared to just going down that straight path. Yeah. The other thing that I didn't know how deep you wanted to get into this. When you level, you get to make a roll. And depending on how well you roll, if you roll, it's a bell curve. So if you roll really high or really low, you can increase an ability score uh, rather than taking a new skill. So that's pretty huge. You almost always take an ability score increase because three is kind of normal for everybody. And so when you can start to get that advantage of being four or five strength that's that's kind of unstoppable. I've got an orc team that has like four or five strength guys on it that nobody even wants to play anymore. <laughs> and then the other thing that happens when you roll for skills is if you roll doubles, um, you don't go from the list of basic skills. You can choose from basic or master skills. And so the master skills tend to be the ones that you really want. So. Um, so you want to roll those doubles as often as you can. And I'm yeah, terrible. Right. I'm terrible at that. Well, that's why you just have guys that are just brute strength. That's exactly. <laughs> I'm great at rolling an 11. That's what you need on two days to get uh, a strength increase. Nice. So let's talk a little bit about the future of Witchborn. Because obviously, you know, everybody's this – is, this is the age of that's cool, what's next. So – Right now, you have four current adventures out. Yes, obviously, you're going to spend a lot of time trying to get through Enter Perdition. You're, you're one backer away from funding, and you still got, at this point, 11 days to go. So what, what does the future hold? Where do you take it from here? So, I mean, the nice thing for players who are new to this that like it, um, there are over a dozen adventures that have been written and play-tested hundreds of times, because this game is 10 years old. I mean, that's how long it's been, been in development. So there's always going to be that new story that's coming out. And I feel like some of the best stories haven't even been written yet, and there's some great ones still coming. Um, the Wailing Citadel, which I talked about, um, is playtester's choice for best game. So... Um, that one's really popular, but the short-term plan is let's get uh, Enter Perdition out and let's deliver the highest quality. Because like you were talking about the battle maps before, the first thing the manufacturers say is, okay, let's cut it up into four pieces and make it a fold-out board. And I'm like, no, it's got to stay on this heavy vinyl battle map because those things, people spill beer. They <laughs> They do right. stuff, you know, and... It's like we've had to be able to clean it off because we want to clean it off. We don't want to have it be permanently warped and 
I don't want this bumpy, awful board. I want this thing, this vinyl just lays flat. So we're going to get this out, and it's going to be super high quality. Um, that's part of the reason why we're working with Reaper is because they make such great figures now. And hopefully that will – it's going to take some time. It's going to come out in probably July that it will actually ship. Um, we'll have – We'll be at Gen Con and we'll be doing demos at Gen Con and um, that kind of stuff. And we're going to take that month right after and then we're going to release the next adventure in the series in a box set. Uh, we may actually have to jump to the third adventure um, to make it work because the second adventure has a lot of miniatures that nobody... Um, makes and so I've actually got a sculptor in Italy um, beginning the process. He's he's designed the first miniature. It was gorgeous. Um, so I'm kind of giving him the go ahead to um, start sculpting the rest of the series. So that might be the third set that would come out in in spring of 2018. God, it's hard to think that far in advance. But we'll we'll um, continue to release the box sets, but at the same time, we're also going to release the adventures that are currently on witchborn.com, um, which come with the digital rules and the maps. If people want to uh, supply their own miniatures or, and they don't care about making their own templates. So we're kind of be kind of going on those two tracks parallel to each other. So there's the people who want everything complete. And then there's the people who just give me what's next. What's the next adventure? Right, right. And then uh, down the line, I told you I was beta testing the Wolfen. Um, the, uh, the players who have been playing for a long time, um, not even since just the spring release, but I'm talking these guys got six, eight years of playing the Witchborn, they're ready for me to release the Paragon rules. So those are going to go into beta testing right away. And... Uh, Basically, every war clan has every item that you collect um, along the way has a gold piece value. Every skill that you earn has a gold piece value. And the rosters that you keep track of your war clan on total that all up for you. And so you start off as a 125 point war clan, and Paragon rules are going to be for war clans who achieve 1,000 or better. And it's kind of like the super advanced Witchborn rules. And you're going to have access to warrior types that, you know, people have been dreaming of. I want the um, dwarf who can tame a dragon and ride a dragon into battle. And, you know, I want the, 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 the Norn who can shape change into a minotaur. And I want the world's toughest orc called the Bloodletter. And, you know, it's got all that stuff that um, in advanced magic rules and, and advanced skills that I don't want to scare people with, but it is there, it is there and it is coming for people who really get into the game. Nice. So how would that affect play? Because obviously, yes, leveling up is a thing. And, you know, obviously the higher you level up, you become far more tougher than those beginning level scavenger guys. But I take it that the moment someone kind of hits that paragon level, everyone else pretty much has to jump the Paragon or get left behind real fast. So what happens is, you know, I've seen it 
it depends on your group, right? I mean, if it's two guys playing, they're going to advance about the same pace. But since we've got about 20 regulars that constantly play test, we're all over the place. We've got guys starting new war clans because they want to see how elves play as compared to guild or whatever. And then we've got guys who are just steadfast. And I'm just going to play this team over and over again. I've played 35 games with this guy. We've got a guild team. The guy's up to 50 games. It's the most anybody's ever played with one guild team. Um, and so they're way more powerful. So that war clan value is always totaled for you. And you can compare war clan values to kind of get a sense of how you're going to match up against the guy. And if there's any disparity at all, uh, one of the things that's built into the campaign rules is an incentives table. So if I'm the weaker guy, um, I'm going to get X number of points to spend to maybe it'll allow me to buy a guy, equip up, have a few guys level up, get healing magic, because um, maybe I'll get my, I know I'm going to get my brains bashed in. I can make your toughest guy miss this adventure um, as kind of incentive. So it kind of, is self-balancing that way. Um, nice. And it really, it really helps play. And some guys, um, they love to just take a new team against a tougher team just to get some incentives and get their guys off the ground faster. It's like, I don't, I don't like getting my brains bashed in, but some people are willing to do it, you know. There's always a risk that you're going to die. So why have your brand new war clan die? But they'll do it. And that's, that's where style of play really becomes a factor. Everybody's different. Right. So it, it, from what I'm understanding, you know, kind of going back to the wound system is like, just because I won a combat doesn't mean that I'm like walking out of there. Like I'm some big champion, like nothing ever happened to me. You know, I, I got a couple of cuts and bruises and that's it. It could be like, I, I got severely jacked up and there's a chance I could just die from my wounds. Exactly. Exactly. And um, one of the things that takes a little adjustment for people in the, that have played other types of campaign games is there's no hit point system. Um, if, if you are um, first level, you have just the same chance of getting wounded as the guy who's 10th level. Now, the difference in this game is armor actually means something. So... You do armor up. There is a reason to put more armor on because a lot harder to get injured if you've got good armor. There's a reason to take all these defense skills that parry, parry and shield and these things that help protect you. You know, a guy with the parry skill and the shield skill can only be hit by a critical hit. So it's, it's worth it's worth taking that because now the other guy has to roll multiple dice probably to get that one in six chance of hitting you up. And then when he does hit you, you've got good defense. So maybe he can't get through your armor. And then when he does actually get through your armor, there's skills that protect you so that your injuries aren't as severe. So there's, there's things that you build on to protect you, but that doesn't mean that your 12th level paladin can't get taken out by a lucky shot. Right, because if I end up rolling like two or three dice and they all end up criticals, right. it, it, it could be really, really bad very fast. 
Yeah. And so that takes a little adjustment to people for people because they're like, hey, my guy is as tough as I could possibly make him. And you still got him. And it's like, yeah, that's that's real world. What you know? Yeah. Yeah. You can get hit by a bus tomorrow, too. You know, there's no guarantees. Right. Well, it's kind of the same reason why, like, looking in traditional history, why, you know, foot knights and, like, full plate armor never fought in, like, shallow bogs or anything like that. Because all it had to do is just take some peasant to kick him in the chest and kick him over. And, and he's, he's sinking. Drown in the bog. Like, he's, he's done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I based the uh, orcs on the Mongols. And uh, basically, the Mongols would have taken over Europe if uh, if their leadership hadn't died. You know, they all retreated. They had taken Poland and a good chunk of Europe. And their fighting style was so much better than the heavily armored knights. That Oh, yeah, because they could just run circles around them. There was nothing that a heavily armored knight could do. Exactly. You could be wearing full plate, it doesn't matter, 360 degree steel, one of those arrows is finding one of the spots that is going to matter. Exactly. Unfortunately, because of the way that that armor was designed, it's always like, even if you were to look at standard human anatomy, it's like, oh, well, I can turn my head, which means that I need chainmail on my neck. Well, taking an arrow to the neck is going to be fatal. Taking an arrow under the armpit is going to be fatal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's always a weak spot, no matter what. Yeah, and it, it was just, it's one of those things that, like, we, we, I've had that discussion, you know, with some people in the past talking about, like, historical battles and, like, why Mongols were so dangerous and why everybody freaked out whenever they saw them coming, who who have fought Mongols or knew what they could do and why, like, full plate against a Mongol horde on horseback, just, it, it's great if that Mongol decides to get off his horse and come after you with his sword. Yeah, you're much happier then. <laughs> if he's using his composite bow from horseback, then you're... You're done. Like, you were so screwed, it doesn't matter what... You're not even going to know what hit you by the time that, that everything's said and done. They're just going to be kicking up dirt, and all you're going to see is, like, some red or brown flag in the background going, okay, I know that the leader guy is there, but I have no idea what these flag waves mean, and then you get shot in the face. Well, you might like orcs in this game because from their chariots and from their horses, they are great archers. So. Awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check them out. However, you have to send me the rules on the wolfen. So <laughs> I will do that. I will do that. Because I will play the crap out of those. And the fact that uh, now it gives me a, a chance to pull those back out and actually show people like how cool those were. I really wish that somebody would make them again in plastic or something. Just release them as special editions. doesn't even matter. Just Put them back out there. Exactly. But, uh, holy crap, we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes already. Well, this yeah. to be an hour-long podcast. Well, I guess I have just completely shot that one in the foot. You know, yes, we had a couple of minutes of uh, some bad audio, but, uh, Corey, why don't you tell us where everybody can get a hold of everything, which form related. Um, do that last little plug, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. Obviously, the Kickstarter. I'm going to post links all over the place when this is said and done. So, obviously, uh, search witchborn.com, all one word, and that has the original game on there and links to the new Kickstarter all over it. Um, And if you want to go right to kickstarter.com, just search Witchborn. Don't try and search the Witchborn Enter Perdition. Just search Witchborn. It'll take you right to it. And there are all kinds of uh, levels for every kind of budget as far as how, how involved you want to get in the game. 
And then we can also be found uh, at Witchborn on Twitter and The Witchborn on Facebook. Nice. So you are pretty much all over the place. No Instagram, though. Uh, never, you know, it's, it's a one-man shop, and it's like, how many hours a day do I want to spend, like, sending out different things? It's, I'd much rather be creating new adventures and, and, you know, programming new apps and doing that stuff. If you ask the fans, it's all of them all the time, always. So, exactly. Family be damned. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah, well... This is a this is a sixty seventy hour a week job easily so it is. Uh, I hear you on that one. It is full time. Awesome. Well, Corey, I got to thank you for coming on, man. Um, I if it wasn't for the fact that normally we try to keep these at an hour, I could keep this thing going for forever. I, I absolutely love everything that the Witchborn is about, and uh, I, I definitely want to see more people playing it. And you know, we we support a lot of indie games. Uh, I've said numerous times, very similar to what Ash Barker does on on his channel, Gorilla Miniatures Games, where it's like, we understand like the amount of guts it takes, especially in today's market, to put something out there. And the fact that you're doing something that's passionate is something to really be recognized. So you definitely have hats off to you guys on that one. And uh, we, me personally, I want to see a lot more come out. And I know a lot of our listeners want to see more come out. And uh you know, anything we can do to help, we definitely will. First step is let's get that last set sold, and then we're funded, and <laughs> that buys me another year to keep coming up with great stuff. You heard him. Go, go, go back some Witchborn Enterpredition, you bastards. Get it done. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Tim. You're welcome, Corey. All right, folks, that's going to wrap, wrap up this episode of Scrummer Supremacy. And, uh, yeah, we'll be posting this one soon, and uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of Skirmish Supremacy. To see more of the antics that Nick and I do, you can check us out on Facebook at Skirmish Supremacy. We also have Twitter, which we can be reached at Skirmish Supreme, because apparently Skirmish Supremacy does not fit in Twitter. And if you want to email us directly, you can reach us at Tim at SkirmishSupremacy.com or Nick at SkirmishSupremacy.com. Thanks for listening.